Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 11th of June 2017. Did you ever come to into real consciousness once in a blue moon? And then it suddenly hits you that years have gone by and articles that you read years ago which you said, well, this couldn't happen or this is impossible to happen have all happened. Social changes mandated by law, put forth by big foundations which you don't elect but so many people work for. And when you look at all the things that have been changed in the culture and everything, basically, you wonder where you've been. Even when you've been covering all of these changes along the way, there's so many, you end up in this, this blurry sense of time, in a sense. Because so many changes really are piled upon you. And it reminded me, and this is some of the things I was looking at this week, it reminded me of this big question, why do you accept the big changes? And part of it is, of course, that you're starting to be beaten down in a sense, psychologically, without being stressed out over it generally, but beaten down into accepting it. And as you're accepting it, you're whacked with something else. And so what you're accepting becomes of lesser importance in a, in a, in a way. And that's the technique that basically the, in, in psychopolitics they use upon the general populations and the masses. It reminded me of many of the, <laughs> the articles and books put out by H.G. Wells and the Fabian Socialists in Britain, where he talks about a kind of party held by Lady Astor. Now, the Astors were rich tycoons that came over from the States to London and very quickly were made, Lord Astor was made, well he's made a lord and his wife was made a, a duchess or a lady or whoever it happens to be and they funded they were one of the big funders of the Fabian movement for a controlled ordered society using the techniques to get the working people in first and seeming to be on their side to an extent, but really, really, uh, the true the true left wing is all about scientists and experts running everybody else's lives. That's what it's really all about. And that's why the big bankers at the top love it, and the governments at the same time too, because the more predictable they can make the future always appear to be by manipulating everybody to make it so, then the safer they feel. But they do have this big long-term agenda. I understand that free will and having people with the belief that they have natural rights because they're born into a world where every creature that is alive has natural rights. We give natural rights through the Biodiversity Treaty of Maurice Strong to every animal on the planet except humans. In fact, I think at the meeting, one of the meetings he had, Maurice Strong, he was asked by a man about human rights. Well, what about human rights? All, you've, all I've heard today is the rights for animals and trees and so on. And Maurice Strong said to him, by the time we're finished, he said, you'll wish you had the rights of a tree. Because man was to be the enemy. But what I'm saying here is, we are managed carefully, step by step, in a Fabian 
style into accepting, accepting, accepting different planned events and changes over certain periods of time with five-year plans for some, two-year plans for others, 50-year plans for others, and 100-year plans for some too. And Wells, H.G. Wells, the party of, of Lady Astor, was talking to her about this, and she says, we can't fail. Our agenda and our plan for the future can't fail. She didn't mean if anything went wrong, oh, goodness me, it can't fail, surely. No, no, she was literally saying it can't fail because they were so confident in the early 20th century. They were so confident that they understood society so well by studying them. They understood the new sciences that were are all coming into play. They'd existed before under different names, but in the 20th century we had all the different new names for, for these sciences. And they were becoming more and more comprehensive because they were, they were using tax money to study us all. And it's escalated up to the present time. Every country does it. And they know how to bring a whole country or nation or block of countries from this point on any particular topic or subject or stance to complete opposite one within a span of a few years or whatever. They know how to do this. They also have other diversionary tactics too to throw into the mix, to throw people off balance so that they lose track of all these very important things and they, they never get, really get back on track again to remember what they actually were. By the time they remember, new laws have, have come in and through the massive media propaganda, which is incessant, by the way, through everything that you read or get entertained by, all these things are inserted into them. And people who watch television are goners, really. I, I have to say this because <laughs> there's nothing you'll watch on television that's not highly propagandized with a whole stack of agendas that make you eventually, and children growing up watching all this stuff, have particular opinions on, on various topics, which are often completely opposed to the ones that their parents or grandparents had. That's not by chance, that's by design. And when you get it so intermixed with, with comedies and movies and dramas, all these little bits and bites of information and propaganda, it's well designed by professionals to really get into the mind and take a foothold and influence the person. Because when you when you mix, especially in, in, in fiction, when you mix particular incredible scenes, uh, dramatic scenes, with all of the emotions involved, that tends to imprint it itself. And children are very easily imprinted. And once they're imprinted with... Uh, Oh, a clear-cut forest back in 1940s, which they keep showing, uh, then they, they'll literally be on board with the, the, the whole agenda, uh, completely un, unaware that the masters have been tampering with their minds for another agenda down the road, which they're not even aware of yet. It's fantastic to watch this, really, and study it, and to see it and remember it, too. Because we're constantly hit with all the changes. Hit, 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 over and over and over and over again. What I try to do every so often is to bring myself up short and think back to articles and books I've read years ago. Some on the air, some of them, and bits and pieces of them on the air too. And 
I always think of Jacques Elul, who was a a great philosopher, very obsessional in a sense, like they're supposed to be. He's a real, true philosopher. He, he could take a particular topic and hammer it to death, even line by line, until you'd almost fall asleep, unless you, you could manage to, to, to hang in there. And Elul, again, had a tremendous insight through all his studies of human nature and the workings of big policies at the top on general populations and different segments too within the populations because everyone's catered to and they're, they're all often given sides. Each one's person is given a side to join in something. Uh, that's not by chance. The people who join them always think they're coming to join them by their own conclusions and their own reason basically, but it's not necessarily true at all. But what he said was propaganda must also furnish an explanation for all happenings. A key to understanding the whys and the reasons for economic and political development. News loses its frightening character when it offers information for which the listener already has a ready explanation in his mind or for which he can easily find one. The great force of propaganda lies in giving modern man all-embracing, simple explanations and massive doctrinal causes without which he could not live with the news. And that was Jack C. Lull from Propaganda, the Formation of Men's Attitudes. You've got to understand, <laughs> we're given simplistic answers and reasons for everything. Whenever you get simplistic answers, you're being lied to. Tremendously. I've given many talks before about propaganda from all the way from even before Bernays and the Bernays period too in his particular book on propaganda. It's ongoing all the time. For all aspects of governing the people, it's propaganda. But never, never, the word is never used by those who are trying to convince you of something or are trying to manipulate you into following something or doing something or whatever it happens to be. It, but the technique they use in psychopolitics and so on is to use propaganda with, with the techniques of having you obey often almost subliminal suggestions as to why you should go along with something and do something. These are incredibly well used today with the green system and give up your rights and give up everything to save the earth, etc. All the stuff I talked about years ago, again, the slap in the face thing that you get once in a while when you say, whoa, <laughs> stuff I talked about years ago and gave talks on has all happened. Right all, all the way from Gorbachev talking about the creation of a new religion, an earth worship, a form of earth worship, he said. And it's all happened. The children have all been trained in school to a form of earth worship under the guise of different names, sustainability, the green agenda, the cutting back on CO2, global warming, and then they scratched that and called it climate change, and so on and so on. Agenda 21, it's all part of it. It's all happening. And right now, there's pretty well no real 
opposition to it. And for most folk who follow it, your armies and armies of people, many of whom are just ordinary people who get all the little bits and bites from bits and bites of information from television. But if you get lots of bits and bites that sink into your mind over a few years, repetition, 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 said Bertrand Russell, it becomes your opinion. And you haven't even reasoned it out or thought it out. It's quite easy to do. So anyway, again, propaganda must also furnish an explanation for all happenings. That, that's why when they have a bank crash, oh, they got a bank crash, oh, simple propaganda, eh? Oh, they just over, overdid the mortgages and so on and, and resold them and resold them and resold them and just kept inflating the prices, etc., etc., etc. Very simple. The key to understanding the whys and reasons for economic and political developments. News loses its frightening character when it offers information for which the listener already has a ready explanation in his mind, or for which he can easily find one. Generally, you have one in your mind from bits and bytes from, again, the sources, like television, talking heads, or even radio, it doesn't matter. And the force of propaganda lies in giving modern man all-embracing simple explanations and massive doctrinal causes. Simple explanations. Oh, the earth's going to die. Oh, it's unsustainable. We're going to cut back the population. Oh, we're going to bring into austerity. You're, you're using too many resources. Massive doctrinal causes. Without which he could not live with the news that the earth's all going to die. Ah, quite easy, isn't it? And that's from, let's say, the formation of men's attitudes from propaganda. And then, it says, modern propaganda reaches individuals enclosed in the mass and as participants in that mass. Yet it also aims at a crowd, but only as a body composed of individuals. What does this mean? First of all, that the individual never is considered an individual, but always in terms of what he has in common with others, such as his motivations, his writings, or his myths. That's from the same book, Propaganda. The formation of men's attitudes. But think of that again. All marketers know this, those in marketing and strategies. Like Bernays, he knew all this stuff too. It's much easier to have, to just cut up society into different groups for like different things or involved in certain things, and they become a group. And there's many kinds of groups. So you, what you do is you just take the numbers of the individuals in the group, and that's your target. They've got something in common. Take it over, because it's already established, by using the language of the group and elaborating on it too. And and then what you do then is you start bending the group to your will and for what you want to use them for. So he said here, first of all, that the individual never is considered an individual, but always in terms of what he has in common with others such as his motivations, his writings, or his myths. Propaganda tends to make the individual live in a separate world. He must not have outside points of reference. 
He must not be allowed a moment of meditation or reflection. Instead, successful propaganda will occupy every moment of the individual's life through posters and loudspeakers, when he is out walking, through radio and newspapers at home, through meetings and movies in the evening. And that was the part of propaganda, the formation of men's attitudes again. And that's how propaganda works. That's why you can walk, if you walk somewhere, if it's safety walk anywhere, <laughs> different places it's not. But anyway... If you walk along, say, uh, into a park or, or some place where folks sit and feed the ducks or whatever, and most people take it for granted that if they stay on general topics that are current, and they'll, they'll even pick these topics with, with thinking, thinking that everyone else will know these particular topics. They don't think about it in any depth. They just know that if, if they say, well, oh dear... The world's unsustainable. And if you say that to someone at 18, maybe 20, they're going to understand what you mean. Oh, yeah. we got to blah, 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 you see. That's how it's done. Or you can take something more benign even and just say, my goodness, the prices are going up because the dollar is dropping and it's purchasing power. Oh, yeah, yeah. This This is stuff that's current, always current. But at the same time, if you got something back, an answer, you'd probably be floored. That's how most folks are. When If you mention anything in any depth at all, you floor them to an extent. If you, if you if they say, oh, the dollar's dry, yeah, and you, you go into a real reason as to why it is happening. And if you lose track of the fact this person has no clue and has, ne- has never studied even where money comes from, Never mind who manages it at the top, or what it even really is, except you can buy things with it. But if you go into any depth, you, you'll see them glaze over, and ah, uh, because when they said, oh, the, the dollar is dropping, they didn't expect an educational talk or lecture coming back at them. That's why it's not really wise to do these things anymore. And I really mean that, because people's attention span has been plummeting for quite a while, intentionally too. They'll think of the big things they're hearing all the time. Oh my goodness, we've got wars on the go, and this, that, and the other thing, and, and oh, there's terrorism everywhere. And because of that, their minds, and, and you're talking about collectively too many groups, even one big group of a nation, you might say, are, are concerned with these things, because that's what they're told to be concerned about. But the reasons for them, the true reasons, are never given in the first place. After all, if governments truly wanted to stop terrorism, the answers as to how to do it are all in front of them. They know this. Terrorism is obviously a useful tool. Back in the 90s and and through the 2000s at the beginning, there was a lot of movies came out about dystopic futures and they all had the same kind of, it's either zombies or, or also it was just through disasters and, and some kind of wars and there's people going about the rubble and, day, and, and they're dazed and hungry and all the rest of it and it was so, so common that I had to say this is not by accident we're seeing all this kind of stuff even the children of men all that kind of thing 
it's all repetition of, of, of the same kind of thing. And when, if you watch these things and you're not, you're not being careful, you're being downloaded with points of view, which now are coming into play. You've already got the points of view down- downloaded into you, not just with one thing, but many movies, dramas, and so on. And again, bits and bytes of propaganda from documentaries or news clips, whatever it happens to be. They're not there by accident. Remember that all news sources are there to manage you. They're not there to say, oh, let's tell the people what's going on. That's the last thing that governments would want to happen. And forget governments for a minute too. What about those who own the governments, which is not the people? I've gone through so many talks in the past about the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Carl Quigley, the tragedy and hope, the Anglo-American establishment, and many, many others, ones even before him, like Zimmerman, who looked after the records of the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs. They have their own private records of history as to how history really happened and for the real reasons that history happened and always patting themselves on the back as being the prime players for directing it all right to the present day. Private organizers, you don't, you don't vote them in, but every major mogul of news and newspapers and television news, big chains, all belong to it. Like the Council on Foreign Relations, the Round Table Societies, as quickly also called them. So it's all the same group. And they've made it quite plain over many, many years, and in their own writings, that their whole goal is world government and managing the people. Completely. They don't believe in you having your own point of view, your own mind, and you'll never get it as long as you only give access to what they're going to tell you. For instance, just a little bit, a little quip, a little aside here. <laughs> All this nonsense about Qatar being suddenly targeted by Saudi Arabia and other countries. Why do you think that's really happening? I read, when I was on the air, I read to the people from, again, mainstream newspapers that, that seem to all... For- it's amazing how they all seem to forget, the same characters in the same papers, eh? Anyway, they released all the, the, the documentation a few years back that the U.S. and, and Britain and all the, and again the Western allies were funding through Qatar the money and equipment and the arms for the training of the groups that, that were meant to take out Syria and the other countries that are gone now too. And I read in there too that the Council on Foreign Relations own magazine, when they talked about it too, the Foreign Affairs magazine, the, the, the article where they said uh, that perhaps ISIS is their best ally in taking out Syria. Think about that. How come most folk have forgotten all that? Because now you're in this, this limbo land where you can't make, make heads or tails of who is who anymore. It's all the same players. The funding's all from the same sources. And, but it, it does remind me, too, of George Orwell's 1984, where you're fighting, what, East Asia today and some other place tomorrow. 
but it's never mentioned that you've changed your gun sights from one country to the next. That's how it's done. You understand, we slip into these massive movements and most folk don't become indignant about it because they're, they're not really conscious of it all. And again, in psychopolitics, etc., and the neuroscientists know this too, most folk go through their day in, a form of, in and out of a form of self-hypnosis. They really do. Obviously, we can't go through every day thinking about the stuff I'm talking about, like 24 hours a day. You go mad. But regardless, most people really are in and out of it. And again, like Bertrand Russell said, in the future, they could train the public. Train them. Because remember, this amorphous thing called democracy was to be trained out of the people, even when they were taught to believe in it. <laughs> Double thinking. But be trained out of them because they'd be, they'd gradually be conditioned and trained that those in charge and all these authorities and voices you hear with authority are somehow special and, and they're there managing things in a, almost a superhuman fashion of pure integrity and honesty. And that's how, how simple the technique is. Most folk today, there's a lot of people in countries across Europe and so on, they don't bother voting anymore. And it's true enough, voting is a great con. But most folk don't vote, because, not because they don't believe in one or the other. It's because they're almost at a childish stage where they, they've been trained to believe just leave things to the experts. Like, these people that get into power are experts, eh? Really. They've been trained to believe that. And many, many sciences went into working on everyone's mind to make them think that. Now, getting back to Elul, Jack's Elul. And these things are so important to remember every other day, in fact, sometimes, so you don't trip up and forget what's going on. And by going on, I don't mean the events that are presented to you, true or false, but to decipher what is, perhaps, to an extent, true or false, give you a better chance to understand or discern. Now, Jack Silal also talked about something that, again, Russell and many others I've quoted over the years have talked about going way back, even in the late 1800s, right up to the, you know, to the present time. And those in the know who are, who are taught certain courses when they're allowed into the, the managerial side of human nature, and they, they are out there, are, believe you me, they're out there, what happens is you must lay a groundwork in every child. Now, a lot of the Marxist writings... Even pre-Marxist had this in it. Even going back to Voltaire, you can find this idea of education. And the encyclopedists at the time, when they said that we will put out all the information, people will believe it because they're given no other side of any story. But when you get children and you put them into school, what child? See, natural children have no, shouldn't have any need to be paranoid about anything. The natural, if you have a, if you're a real nice society, we're all nice, let's see, we're all nice, right? 
and you, you would have children, like a, a little tribe, who would know instinctively, intuitively, that those in charge, the elders in that small tribe, were all looking out for them and would help them and try prevent them from hurting themselves or whatever. That's trust. You just take that from an, a little tribe where that would work awfully well, a natural way, to the chronology of today, where whole sciences and batteries of scientists work on our minds constantly for big think tanks, for every part of education, and even planning what those down the road in 50 years will be made to believe has all been written already. And they know how to bring it about step by step, so they will believe this or whatever it happens to be. Because education is basically this. This is a related point. Propaganda cannot work without education, even primary education. So, so education is not necessarily a defense against anything. The natural mind would be, you would be a bit suspicious, oh, wait, wait a minute, what does this mean? If it's, if it's a natural mind. But he says, education, or what usually goes by the word in the modern world, is the absolute prerequisite for propaganda. It sets the foundations for further propaganda down the road to work on the individual. It's like setting up a base. It's almost like putting a computer program in, you might say. And so certain little <laughs> algorithms go through it. They'll immediately go into a certain pose of, underst- of, of accepting and believing they understand. So you must get this into there uh, really quickly. And he also talks about vast amounts of incoherent information already dispensed for ulterior purposes and posing as facts and as education. To make the organization of propaganda possible, the media must be concentrated. Back to the CFR, Royal for National Affairs. The number of news agencies reduced. They just make sure that they put everybody else out of business. The press brought under a single control and radio and film monopolies established. The effect will still be greater if the various media are concentrated in the same hands. And again, that's Jack Silal, the propaganda formation of men's attitudes. Again, to make the organization of propaganda possible, the media must be concentrated, the number of news agencies reduced, and the press put under a single control. That's all been done long ago. And the British Commonwealth countries, they have national television and radio station. The BBC in Britain and you have CBC in Canada, and you have the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and things like that. And, and these, these are all the voices of authority. And, and it's quite interesting even studying them, becoming matriarchal and, and talking to, to the people as though they're little children, and you're naughty children with these voices of, of authority. It's interesting to watch. But remember, these are just voices. They are there to continue your education in obedience to, to the propaganda that they're putting across for, for behavioral change in society. That's quite amazing. Also, you find 
Ilal Singh's Stalinist propaganda was in great measure founded on Pavlov's theory of the conditioned reflex. Hitlerian propaganda was in great measure founded on Freud's theory of repression and libido. American propaganda is founded in great measure on John Dewey's theory of teaching. That's from the same propaganda, the formation of men's attitudes. It's really interesting. And I could go on and on and on, but the fact is, you're constantly being persuaded. The art of persuasion. And also the art of consensus building. You don't even know it. It's happening to you, to your opinions, just happens to jive with those around you. And most of you won't be able to really go into any serious debate as to how it happened. It's quite perfect, that, isn't it? Now, it also brings me to Carl Rove. And I remember at the time (laughs) where Carl Rove talked about uh, reality. And he's a political consultant, remember, and he was in George W. Bush's group, and he was a senior advisor and chief political strategist. And this guy had, had been, he'd obviously been in the top think tanks and had access to information and so on. And they become terribly, terribly arrogant, in a sense, to those lesser beings around them when they're making history, as they say, and those around them are just following them making the history and taking, again, the superficial propaganda that's presented to the people. They have no respect for you, because it's just too easy for to get you to prattle on the same stuff that they want you to believe. You know? But he's well known for many, many different quotes, and some of them rather foul, actually. <laughs> but this one here is the empire. And it says that there's an aid and they'd said that guys like me were in what we call the reality-based community, which he defined as people who believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. And this report says, I nodded and murmured something about enlightenment principles and empiricism. He cut me off. That's not the way the world really works anymore, he continued. We are an empire now. And when we act, we create our own reality. And while you're studying that reality judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities which you can study too. And that's just how things will sort out. We're history's actors. And you, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. Now, a little concise paragraph there of truth. Because he's talking about, they just constantly spin propaganda. Even when they want to, the following day, they'll spin the opposite propaganda, opposite meaning, that forms a form of cognitive dissonance, you understand, which people start questioning themselves for not re-understanding it. They think, there's something wrong with me. I don't understand it. I'll just forget it, and that's what you do. It's a clever little technique. Think back to 9-11, for instance, and the stories that came out immediately on the same day. I think it was, was there Kissinger or Brzezinski said immediately that day that it was Ben Laden who was behind it. That the dust was still coming down when they said it. They just knew, you see.
And remember that the PNAC group and all of the members, again, of the PNAC group, many of whom are also members of Trilateral Group, had written the Project for New American Century about the, the countries that they wanted taken out in the Middle East and elsewhere. And they said they'd need a Pearl Harbor event to motivate the public support behind these wars. Well, they got it. Just, they're lucky, you see. These guys literally must pick uh, the lotto tickets, uh, winners all the time, is the right numbers. Just luck, you see. But anyway, they already had troops ready to go into Afghanistan, which went underway. Boom, away they went. And then, before you knew it, just like Orwell said, they said they got the gun sights just changed subtly, very subtly. And I even read the articles on the air at the time <laughs> from the Canadian papers that said that we're doing a survey, some, some survey of, of news influence, and how cleverly and, and effortlessly the Americans had started to believe that Iraq was behind it, even though no one actually said it. And that all these innuendos, etc., even from President Bush at the time, and then during the inquiry after it was all over and, and they destroyed Iraq, he said in the inquiry, he said, well, at the hearing, he says, oh, I didn't, I didn't say, he says that, that, uh, that Saddam Hussein was behind 9-11. In fact, he had nothing to do with it, really. But, that, but he said uh, he was a bad man and the world's better off without him. That was, that's, that was the lawful excuse to wipe out a country in the Stone Age. And even the articles that were out at the time from the big players, Brzezinski, Kissinger, and so on, about Iraq, and one of them actually wanted all these countries on the PNAC group to be, to be knocked into the Stone Age so they could never reunite again as nations. And they'd be easily controlled, and they could basically take the oil, etc., which, they, of course, they did. But facts don't really matter when it comes to the people. And getting back to, to this, this one here... Uh, uh, do you remember, again, that the, the little documentaries, news clips about the soldiers in Iraq cussing at the Arabs over there who didn't want democracy because it was Iraqi freedom, remember? We, we didn't invade them. We, we went in to bring them freedom. Don't see it this way. See it this way. Eh? Yeah. So soldiers going in with weaponry and all the rest of it and blowing things up and shooting folk are just there to make them free. And you saw, because it was such a... Again, the, the people who get the most simplistic propaganda are always the troops. It's simpler, the better. If you make it more complicated, they'll, they'll just switch off. Make it simple, and they'll stick with it. This is my experience. This is what they, what they found over many, many, many studies. So what they do is they create reality for the public. They always do. And there's one that I said, talking about it, because it's a, bit ar- a lot of them are pretty arrogant, you know. Again, the aides said that guys like me were in what we call the reality-based community, which he defined as people who believe that solutions emerge from your judicious study of discernible reality. I nodded and murdered something about enlightenment principles and empiricism. He cut me off. That's not the way the world really works anymore. 
He continued, we are an empire now, and when we act, we create our own reality. And it's true they did surveys when they suddenly changed by using the press alone, then innuendos. They did did surveys to find that most Americans then then had become a think within a a space of one month after invading Afghanistan and so on, that Iraq was behind it, all through innuendos. And here's one of the guys saying, and when you're studying that reality, judiciously as you will, we'll act again, creating other new realities which you can study too. And that's just how things will sort out. We're history's actors, and you, as all the press, all of you, will be left to just study what we do. And I think they had that in Suskind, Ron Suskind, Faith Certainty in the Presidency of George W. Bush, New York Times Magazine. And Mark Denner says words in a, in a time of war on rhetoric, truth, and power. So this is how things really are, and they're, they're even better as the time goes on now. Now that the U.S. government even passed laws, they've always used propaganda on their own people. Bernays was a specialist in that. He talked about it often because he was called in, and he worked with lots and lots of presidents, quite, quite a few presidents. And to propagandize the people. But it's never stopped. But the U.S. eventually changed the law a few, a few years ago, and I read that too at the time on the air, that uh, they, they could then legally, because they changed the law, legally allow themselves, which they'd always done anyway, to use propaganda on the American people. Quite something, isn't it? And everyone still prattles on about freedom and liberty which to me is quite a sardonic comedy. We are under so many layers now of the professional reality makers that most folk can never figure their way out. It's all too confusing for them. Now, I want to talk about oh, I could, so many things in the time is always short. And I really do know today that from own experience talking to people that I've met here and there, that it's a lot worse than it has been in the past. People now have forgotten that they forget so quickly, just even four or five years ago, and they can't comprehend really what's going on anymore. Or else they have switched off, because there's techniques to make people switch off too. Part of it is fear, and they've done so many tests and surveys and focus groups and so on on fear motivated turning people's minds off of things such as for instance here's bad stories in the magazines and yet you talk about it with a little group and eventually they want they want they don't want to know they don't want to know they actually say that I don't want to know that's too bad to do if that ever happened it'd be too too frightening therefore they will not look at that particular thing again if it comes up in reality a little story that's just how it is. That's what the big bankers know too at the World Bank and IMF that had all the countries sign the Balin Agreement so that the next crash that, that, that happens, then they simply confiscate the, the savings of the depositors in the banks. It's all legal now. It's been done in Canada. It's been done. The other term they use is haircuts. That's the bail-ins, because the government claims they're not going to bail them out anymore. But when you really read it all, they're going to get both. They're going to get the government to help bail them out and take your savings. It's not a bad deal, eh? 
that's how the world really, really works. Now, <laughs> there's so many things you could talk about, but as I say, there's no real point anymore because folk don't know what's going on. They've already accepted something that's now supposedly the normal. That's terrorism. I read the articles years ago, too, when after 9-11, and we were told that get used to it, terrorism is going to be here for the rest of your lives and beyond. This is a new norm. It's also the new normal for controlling all societies. It's also being used for not just the EU to get back on track with Britain, totally immersed in it again, but also uh, to get the whole world into a, a global governmental system. So it's essential for the controllers who planned this a long, long, long time ago. How do you get people to give up their rights and just acquiesce and go along with things? Terrify them. And they'll give them up bit by bit by bit for peace and safety, security, none of which they're going to get. Because if, if you go peace and safety and security and government still wants to pry into your affairs and have you daily documented and, and licensed and pried into and all the rest of it, and spied upon every individual, then you might get a, a bit ticked off with that. So that you must have the apparent reasons for it. That's how it, why it's all managed this way. And every one of these so-called terrorist attacks, the, all the governments across Europe, from wherever they've happened, have known the people who did it. Uh, many of them were caught and let go beforehand for other things. And you keep letting them go until they do what you want them to do, obviously. <laughs> Why else wouldn't you just grab them beforehand? If governments could know every darn thing about you, who's doing nothing, nothing to transgress anything, then what do you think they know about all these people? What do you think? You know, that really, think about it. Come on. Have you? I can remember, again, putting up articles years ago about, and documentaries put out about the, the for, American forces and British forces in Iraq and elsewhere. And you could see them going around all the, the residents and the, the people there. Some of them were sitting down, some of them were on knees and all the rest of it. And they would take their eye, their iris scans with little handheld gadgets. The, tr- the troops went around with them. And had their names and the whole bit, iris scans and fingerprints, you name it. Totally hide. And then they bring them into the countries. They know who everybody is. They know what they've all been involved in in different, different countries of, of origin. And you'd have to be really incredibly naive and brought up in a Disney-esque kind of fashion to think that if they just hit the shores of Britain, that they're all just going to get along. That's beyond uh, faith. That's way beyond faith, belief in that. Therefore, they're there for a purpose, unfortunately. I can remember before 9-11 happened and in Canada, in the 90s, late 90s, maybe 97, 98 it was, where Alan Rock in the government at the time ran through what was called the Omnibus Crime Bill. And some of the reporters in the papers said, what on earth is this? This is, this is basically an anti-terrorism bill where they could hold people indefinitely without, without charge, etc. And that's exactly what it was. This is before 9-11 happened. 
they all knew what was going to happen. They might not have known each individually the spark that would cause it, but they knew it would, it would happen. And I can remember too, even on the CBC at the time, they had panels of security experts, some worked for the government in Canada and America and other countries, and they had ones over from Israel talking about the future and how you'd end up having lots of terrorism in face with And no one ever asked, well, how, why? What was going to spark all this off? It's rather obvious that everybody knew on the higher levels. Of course it was. Of course it was. Anyway, I won't go over all the talks again. There's no point in rehashing it all because people are on to all, all other things now and, and so on. And things that were really important at the time have been supplanted by same-sex toilets and things like that and all kinds of gender things. And This is, what they've, this is all psychological techniques being used to absorb people's minds and their arguments, etc., etc., as they're losing any semblance of having what was really called democracies. People on the left today, and a lot on the right too, and in the middle, are so conditioned by their brainwashing, constant through television, etc., that they're all going along with the whole climate con. And it truly is a con. I've read all the articles, even from the Club of Rome, who dreamt the con up. They were given the task of finding something to use to get the world under the same governmental system where they could manage the pop, all the peoples and, and who would be eventually obedient and have lots of their rights taken away. So to save the world, you have your rights taken away. And then they tax you into austerity. From the, I read all the articles. How do you get the money off the people? I went through it all through new fees and taxations and all the rest of it, years ago. And here it is today. We're living scripts. This is not a democracy. We're living a script. And the big forces that give you your talking points are all part of the agenda. That's what it is. Now, I'm going to put up a few other articles tonight, too, for those that want to look into things that are happening. And... I was going to go into into psychiatry and psychology and how it was to permeate every educational activity of national life, going way back from World War, actually before World War II, by the globalists of the day that all again belonged to the same organizations under the umbrella of the Royal for International Affairs and the Fabian Society. And the newly created after after the war, and the newly from the League of Nations into the United Nations, same same goals all that time ago. I've gone through Gerfec, for instance, in Scotland, which every child has to be tested and tested, and costly tweaked in case of the wrong ideas or or the opinions of their own, which might not jive with the mandated, ordered uh, opinions you're supposed to have according to your rulers. But you can look up for yourself. British Brigadier General Dr. John Rawlings Rees in the 1940s said to National Council for Mental Hygiene. Now, this smacks of all the stuff <laughs> which you always blame the Germans for and the Nazis at the time because they copied it all from the West. National Council for Mental Hygiene. 
That's what Freud was put out for. In reality, was to destroy all Western cultures and rebuild them. Because you're all mad. You that was what he said. That's, that's the, the way he came, his particular group he came from. He ended on an ominous note. He says, Though our knowledge be incomplete, I think we must imitate the totalitarians and organize some kind of fifth column activity. That was his speech. Now, in Canada, the same name, Dr. Brock Chisholm chimed in with another comment of his own at the close of the war in 1946. And he was talking to the World Federation of Mental Health. Think about that now. World Federation of Mental Health. World Federalists, etc., etc. He argued for freedom from morality and the eventual eradication of right and wrong. Remember, I've read that from the Frankfurt School as well, etc. These aren't just sporadic little comments that come out over the... These are all managed, regardless of the little organization anyone is in. There's different groups, and they all have the same agenda. They're all... They're all really one group, all of them, to recreate all of society. So the eradication of right and wrong and such traditional upbringing was making children ill, he insisted. If the race is to be freed of its crippling burden of good and evil, it must be psychiatrists who take the original responsibility. And this article says Rees and Chisholm had company and political, educational, journalistic, marketing and military circles most ensconced within interconnected foundations, associations, and research centers, such as foreign and domestic. They became Rees and Chisholm's enablers. Together, they created Rees' dream, a controlled psychological environment. This goes on, this article. I've read it before, years ago, and it was, it was called The New Face of Psychiatry and um, by Beverly K. Eekman, it was called, and... It's, um, it's well worth reading. I'll put the link up for it. It's from the New American at the time. Uh, but uh, I've read many similar things since, in, in more detail. In, in fact, they were written much, much prior to that. Yeah, but it's so, it's so important to understand it. Terribly important to understand it, actually. I'll also put up um, an article to do with Ontario. Canada is way ahead. They call it the cutting edge, the progressive, into the whole world agenda and everything other agenda of, of what I just mentioned in the last article. <laughs> this article says how Ontario's pursuit of renewable energy broke the province's electricity system. 2016, this was written. Awfully important, this one. Because remember, Canada's going all full steam ahead with the carbon taxes, the austerity game, taking all your money off you, etc., etc., etc. And no doubt moving you off the land. That's all part of Agenda 21, remember. It's all part of the same agenda. Also, the Green Energy Act 2009, which goes through uh, the different <laughs> mess-ups that caused there too, and how our electricity is going up and up on price like crazy. It's just out of sight now. That's part of what it was designed to be. Because the big think tanks, and I read them years ago, on the air again, uh, talked about making energy incredibly expensive. And that makes people... Well, apart from that, it helps depopulate too, in many different ways. When you can't afford refrigeration eventually and things like that too. All things happen, you know. And the Green Energy Act of 2000, 
in nine. It's relentless, ongoing, ongoing, ongoing. And green jobs and all your money and tax money going into these big moguls and big massive corporations to go through the farce of pretending to give you green energy. What the heck is green energy? Huh? Is, that, is that someone with a muscular person covered in fungus or something? Maybe that's another story too, because the trees certainly are with all the spraying. And then the Green Energy Act is a failure. That's a very good article here too. And how the turbines and so on are just a waste of time. They remain awfully expensive. And so are the solar panels, etc. too. This is incredible. And how really it's, it's driven out manufacturing from places like Ontario. And it's divided the rural communities because they want us off the land. It all works into the same agenda. It's all one agenda. But it's awfully important to, to read these things too. And that's almost it for tonight. As I say, I'm sorry to, to... I was going to give you a whole bunch of different articles and dissect them for you. But I think it's so important, so important to always remember that you've got a whole bunch of psychological entities competing for your attention every day now. Every day. Morning till night. And many... Innocuous little ways too That you'd never suspect They're all weaponized And even those who think they're into alternate stuff too Nothing's been left alone I can remember that When all the, uh, the Anti-globalism meetings were, It was mainly students who were protesting these things The hordes and armies of them All getting riled up And I remember When they had a big meeting I think it was in British Columbia And then had one in Toronto And they, they, they had a politician in the top floor when they're having the, the, looking down on all these protesters down below. And they said, we'll have to bring the leaders of these NGOs on board with us, meaning bringing them in. And what they did eventually is give them all salaries, not the followers, just the leaders. And that's why there's no more protests anymore. And all those armies that used to protest are now all for the greening global agenda. That's why I never join a group. <laughs> you can be turned 180 degrees gradually and cleverly and not even notice. Rather sad, isn't it? That's the world we live in. Very clever. Very slick. Professionally done. And countless think tanks working consistently and persistently to manage your mind. And to ensure that you can't manage it yourself. Well, from a very thundery Ontario, Canada, where we're getting heavily sprayed, of course, with the upgraded geoengineering, as I want to call it. It's myself, Alan Watt, and your God or your gods go with you.